Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of ME Architects Make It Innovative, featuring deep dive discussions on the world of innovation as it relates to the built environment. In many ways this year, life has slowed down, but trends have accelerated. We've been calling COVID the catalyst for change, the great accelerator. In many ways, it's proven itself, fast-tracking future trends like localism, shopping local, supporting your community, and of course, the workplace of the future. Another big shift for the spotlight is value-driven brands. And today, we are talking to the CEO from one of the brands you might recognize, Cohatch Coworking. CEO Matt Davis is going to take you inside his approach to innovation, sharing the secrets and strategies that he uses to make his company recession-proof and positioned for success, as well as the honest feelings he experienced when he heard the entire country was shutting down almost a year ago today. Through a time of uncertainty, Matt's vision for his company remained clear, with pillars of Cohatch including family and health, fulfilling your purpose, impacting nonprofits, and social enterprise, which are all driven by the values of community above all else, which you can also see in where they select to open their spaces too. It's a true testament to community by selecting sites that are about adaptive reuse. They've taken over places that need to be refurbished, even a church, and given them new life. They currently have 17 locations, having just opened their first location outside of Ohio, with seven more in walkable urban areas in Indianapolis. You guys, were actually at their location here right now at Easton Town Center, and around us, there's Hot Chicken Takeover and Fusion, and I never want to leave, and I'm hoping that Matt's saying that I can stay, but we'll see how this conversation goes, I guess. For 200 bucks, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. This is why he's a successful businessman, you guys. <laughs> All right, and also joining us today is MA's very own Caitlin Kingry, one of our in-house workplace experts and strategists. Caitlin was the lead designer on the trend-setting project of White Castle's home office, helping them move into a more flexible mode of working through change management and design, as well as bringing to life their culture in the built environment. Both Matt and Caitlin are going to be talking about the epitome of the evolution of investing. ROI is so out, and now we're moving towards this concept of VOI, value on investment, and adopting the way innovative companies are measuring success already and building culture. Matt and Caitlin might be too humble to brag about their ability to think strategically and remain focused, but I'm not, so I'm going to brag very, very hard on them and their success, both personally and professionally, even in the most challenging of times. And more importantly, they are here to give you their pro tips on what and how to do the same for whatever way you find to work that is driven by your purpose and passion. Yeah. Welcome, Matt and Caitlin, to our show. Hello. Thank you. So glad to have you here. But before we dive into this great conversation we're about to have, we really want to get to know you a little bit better. All right, Matt, we know your passion for building commonality with others. Let's connect you with our listeners. You ready? Sure. All right. If you had a spontaneous day off, what's the first thing you would do? Probably go to work. <laughs> You're crazy. Well, it's either uh, our beach house in Florida. If I just if I could get away, it's always something with my kids and my wife. And usually regards uh, usually has a Miller Lite and beaches involved. Nice. Sign me up for that too. Absolutely not that this space isn't cool, but that sounds amazing right now. What is the best thing that has happened to you this year? Oh, um, that's a good question. I think there's been a, been a, quite a bit. I think just watching. Uh, a, my kids and family have been healthy. I think that's always the first and foremost thing, um, as well as my parents and everything. So uh, very thankful for that. But I think from a business standpoint, it's it's been amazing to watch uh, our concept resonate with so many people, even during tough times, and for watching our employees uh, help people uh, throughout the pandemic in multiple different ways that are far 
beyond just working every day. So that's probably been the best, watching the best of humanity um, in kind of the worst of times sometimes is what I look back on. That's really awesome and very inspiring. Last question. What is the change you most hope to see from the growth in 2020? Um, I think the one of the biggest changes I want to see is that people stop jumping to one-sided conclusions about everything all the time and realize that uh, everyone's different, everyone needs different things. And uh, I think that through this last year, whether it be social unrest or injustice or the pandemic, that people are very in tune with other people's emotions right now. The question is, can people actually make physical changes and just not be talkers about it all the time. So I'm hoping that people can realize that everyone is different. People need different things. And that's kind of what we're focusing on is catering to humans, not work. I love that. And action oriented is such a great thing. All right, Caitlin, you ready? I'm ready. If you had a spontaneous day off, what's the first thing you would do? I would probably, the first thing I would do would be to sleep in. I'm a bit of a night owl. So I would sleep in not too late. And then walk up to Stoff's Coffee in Grandview. I'm a big Stoff's fan. Start my day with a big cup of coffee and then probably make a to-do list for the day. Definitely want to get outside. Very, very good and still very, very structured. Feels on brand. Uh, What is the best thing that's happened to you this year? You know, I have really enjoyed seeing all the people in my life and, you know, everybody else in the world start to become a little bit more positive. I think everyone was excited to see 2020 come to a close. So this year feels like an energy shift in many ways. And I'm, I'm drawing energy from the people around me, seeing them getting more positive, watching vaccines roll out. And I just feel like change is coming. Absolutely. It's incredible how much has happened already in one year. I think we get so caught up in the day-to-day, we forget how incredible, to your point, even the vaccines in less than a year, it's, it's wonderful. And just so many brilliant humans working together. All right, best way to decompress. So I have been using the Headspace app recently. My husband's company actually pays for all of their employees to have access to Headspace. So we started using it, and it is such a great way to calm a busy mind. I have a little bit of anxiety during the day. I'm always thinking about something, so it's a nice way to wind down at the end of the day. That's literally my love language, so you know that I'm so into that. That's amazing. (laughs) Well, before we dive into our topic, I think it'd be great for us to actually maybe talk about just what co-working is for just a minute, because I want to make sure that while people have probably heard the word more often, given the pandemic, they might not be as familiar with some of its history. So just by way of definition, I think of co-working spaces as spaces where people can come to that maybe they're self-employed, or maybe they are uh, looking for a space for their office away from their normal office that they go to. So for example... We have companies who may not have a physical presence in Columbus, but they need an office space for their employees to go to. So they may come to a co-working place so that their employees can work together or just have the choice to work there if they want to. And I think it's something, again, where people have probably heard about it a little bit more, but that's what it means to me. And um, I also think it's interesting because co-working started a while ago. You know, if you think about it, back in, I think, 1999 was the first time the term was actually used with like the first co-working space coming about in about 2005. But since then, the evolution has been great. And I think Cohatch's evolution proves that, you know, it's about, like you said, serving community, serving people over just providing spaces for people to work. 
Absolutely. I think too, everyone being forced to work from home, it really demonstrates the value of having an office and having a place to transition to where you can separate and compartmentalize those areas of your life. Because right now we're working from home, we're living from work. There's a lot of blurred lines. And then also it makes offices accessible to people, especially brands that are startups or just really starting to get momentum building. And and in that it has the most creative minds in one collaborative space. So it's such an awesome advantage to be around such inspiring people every day and just a lot of great positive energy like you were mentioning, Caitlin. All right. So Matt, here's our first question to you. Can you explain the concept of Cohatch to us and how it differs from other co-working models out there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually hate being called a co-working space usually. Oh, okay. So, um, Flip the script. Yeah. So when you introduce this as Cohatch co-working, I'm like cringing in the inside a little bit. So... Um, and the reason I do that is like your definition of co-working is fairly traditional, right? So, uh, co-hatch is, was designed simply around me. Um, I worked for a large fortune 200 company. I worked my way up. I'm an engineer, MBA, all this other stuff. And, uh, I just got tired of the, the grind of my only purpose in life being to make other people money. Um, so I really set off on something to create my own business and, I didn't know what it was going to be, and I found an abandoned space in Worthington, and I just fell in love with the architecture of it. It was rat-infested. It was tall ceilings. It was in the heart of a community, and it just kind of broke my heart that a space so beautiful could be vacant, and there was no use for it. And the way the world was shifting, there was going to be millions of places like that that had no use for it. So uh, my partner, Joel and Elizabeth Limes at the time, they went out on their own, and uh, he called me one day and was tired of, uh, he had a young baby and I just got kicked out of the library and I now I got to move to Panera and now I got to move somewhere else. And I said, well, I'm looking to go out on my own. Um, and he was in my church group at the time and everything. And I'm like, well, you design it, I'll build it. And that's how Coach started. There was no business plan. I have every degree possibly get probably a business and I didn't do crap when it came to like greatness. <laughs> so, um, I'm kind of proud of that because it basically shows that by creating a space and I wanted people to be around me, I wanted to create my own company and I realized I don't want to pay any of them. So then it became the traditional co-working. Let me get an attorney, let me get an accountant, let me get all these people. But then we long for so much more. We long for our purpose, finding our purpose. And I had three kids and I love going on vacation. I love serving and I love volunteering, but it was very inconvenient to do it. You had to almost intentionally think about how to volunteer and serve. And most people don't do it. You ask them how long, how many times you volunteer this year. Most people say zero because they got too busy or whatever. So we wanted to make it easier for people to, to live their whole life. So Coach is designed to help. Our, our goal is to strengthen communities and improve people's lives. So we want to uh, help you live your ideal life. And you, work is probably only 25 to 35% of who you are. And if you do it really well, it fully aligns with your purpose and values and it's integrated with you. But so many people in this world, it's not that way. It's like, this is this wedge, I show up and I do it. But we want to make sure that I call Cohatch sometimes, it's part co-working space, part chamber of commerce, part country club, part timeshare, all in one thing. Because, yeah, so we want you to have access to live your life in, we want to create spaces, tools, amenities technology that you can use to live all parts of your life. And that's how we build culture is because the least that you and I have in common is what we do for a living. Like we have nothing in common. We do totally different things, right? But what we do have in common is you might have kids. We might like Ohio State. We might live in Columbus. We like beaches. We like whatever this is. We like this nonprofit. That's what makes you human. That's what's built community. 
I can't stand building community on LinkedIn and all the other stuff. That's the fakest version of yourself that there is. So that's where I think Coatch resonates well is we build it where you want to be in walkable locations in the heart of communities. And we provide you the tools that you can be authentic in your life, but happen to have all the talent and ability with your work to thrive all in the same package. So that's why co-working, I don't rent spaces. We don't rent. We do, but it's not really what we're built off of. Oh, I love that so much. And it's so interesting. A lot of Mark's futurism trends are about showing up as you are and meeting people where they are. And you guys were with no business plan way ahead of that curve. So that's really, really inspiring and really incredible. I was going to say the same thing. I mean, for me, you know, what we've been talking about is that with 2020 being what it was, a lot of people have finally realized, okay, I can live my life in a different way. Like I can be nine to five, if that's what works for me, I can be, okay, I'm going to work from nine to 10 here. And then I'm going to go pick up my kids and we're going to go do this activity. And then I'm going to go to the grocery store and then I'm going to come back and work whenever it makes sense for me. So I love that you're creating this community that allows for the freedom of living that lifestyle. I'm curious too, especially with COVID and everything shutting down and school shutting down. And you mentioned parents and even your partners, you know, having been early parents and stuff. What did that look like for you guys here? Were you open during that or could people still have that flexibility? Yeah, there was different phases of it for us. So immediately when March hit, I mean, I remember sitting in my basement figuring out how to shut things down and do different things, but we had probably 70% of our businesses were essential. So title agencies, lawyers, accountants. So we actually stayed open for essential businesses to be there. But we didn't lay anybody off. So our goal wow. was to, we actually launched Coatch Delivers, which we, to me, when things are tough, you just either you sit back and watch or you get active and do something. So we turned every employee into volunteers for about three and a half months. Um, so we did from food deliveries to working with food pantries, and we did thousands of meals downtown. And we used our physical infrastructure employees to do that type of stuff. So we kind of sprung, during COVID, we sprung into those type of things. Um, And then we let people kind of, the beauty of, and people forget, people have their own risk profiles, right? So the beauty of how we design spaces is that if you have your own private office, you're in a, your office, it's, you're by yourself. So it's okay. We also have plenty of open spaces for people to kind of self, you know, be 20, 30 feet apart. Uh, We have different ways of working that maintained all that. So we were kind of designed for COVID naturally by, we don't assign, like most spaces say, big office environments Well, you have this cube, you sit in this, we put you in, we pile you in this way. Those have trouble. It's called, we, we let you come in and sit where you need to be and separate as needed. So we were able to kind of accommodate people doing that. And we're 24 seven. So a lot of people would come at night and, and work because they have infants at home and things like that. But it did slow down significantly, but we were able to stay open for a lot of people who needed it. That's crazy and not lay anybody off. That's insane. It's wonderful. Yeah, talk about true innovation at a time where you just have to think on your feet. Absolutely. So, and speaking of living our values, MA Architects has really undergone a huge change ourselves. Just like Matt was talking about, when the pandemic hit, we said, you know what, we're going to come out of this stronger than we were before. We want to become anti-fragile. We want to figure out what's our new core values and what MA really stands for. And some research, because you know I love a fact, Uh, is that a study said that 88% of employees believe a strong company culture is key to business success. And culture stems from an organization's established values. So Caitlin, we're going to pivot to you. As part of our interior design team and specializing in workplace design, is translating those values into space through design uh, possible today? Like how how are we looking to do it? 
Um, but before that, let's play a little bit of a game. Ooh. Okay. <laughs> so I'm just going to give you a value. And maybe, actually, I'm going to give you a value, and you're going to tell us how we might be able to translate that into uh, an office environment. How does that sound? Okay, let's do it. Okay, rapid fire. Here we go. Um, the value of boldness. Boldness. Yes. Uh, well, the first thing that comes to mind for me is materiality with boldness and fearlessness of application of that materiality. So playing with color, pattern, texture, innovative materials, and applying those in a way that is unexpected or unique um, so that you can better engage with whoever's entering your space and, and tell a story throughout that space. I love that, telling stories. Me too. And I think it's funny because White Castle, one of their core values, their company's core values is to be bold. And Caitlin put in a 16-foot steel slider that connects the second floor to the first floor. And it literally is like a playground slider, but it's an homage to their production facilities where they spin the burger patties down. But their CEO, Lisa Ingram, will slide down it literally in like transportation around the building, which I think is so funny, but a really bold and creative way to show that value and actual practical application in the space. So what also I think speaks to another one, maybe honesty, right? Honesty. Yeah. And I think with honesty, authenticity has kind of been a buzzword too. I think Matt mentioned it earlier and for very good reason. Um, when I think of honesty, I think of authentic materials like natural wood, maybe reclaimed wood, um, maybe maximizing the daylight in a space by use of interior glass or it could be um, choosing sustainable products or wanting your, your project to become um, sustainably certified in some way. So I think all of those just being really tied to more than just the material itself, having a story behind it, having values, partnering with other companies that share your company's values. Well, and I think jumping off of what Matt said too, you know, when you talked about you take the space that's there and you revamp it for the, what the community needs at that point too. Um, okay, so the next one up, accountability. Accountability to me is directly tied to productivity. So in order to make a productive office, you have to cater to different people's work styles, right? Everybody works a little differently. There's different generations inside of a workplace. So creating different types of spaces, heads down spaces, collaborative spaces, formal, informal, kind of allowing those employees to choose how they want to work. Coworking does a great job of this. Um, and so taking cues from that and giving people control over their environment, making them comfortable, we kind of call it the three C's at MA, choice, comfort, and control. Those are kind of the three tools that if you give an employee that ability, then their satisfaction increases, their productivity increases, and ultimately their accountability. I agree with that. You know, and I think that comes from the top down too, right? You have to have that leadership transparency that allows for them to know what's going to be happening, that they feel safe and secure and have that choice, comfort, and control. Um, which kind of leads to the next one. We're just going to keep tying on uh, teamwork. How, what about that value? Teamwork. To me, um, a space that reflects teamwork is like an informal brainstorming room comes to mind. So kind of taking away the um, inhibitions and maybe ditching the traditional conference style table, informal lounge furniture, maybe there's snacks or a drink machine, um, monitors, whiteboards, something to engage people, get people feeling comfortable and having those really organic conversations. Because I think we all know that the best ideas are not born sitting at a formal conference table, talking in a stuffy space to somebody else. You really want to kind of make people feel comfortable. Yeah. I mean, that goes along with why we have collision points along our offices, right? We have points where we 
foster communication between employees so they don't get siloed. Um, Okay, so this might be a big one. Are you ready? I'm ready. Innovation. Ooh, coming from Mark Bryan. (laughs) I don't even... Is this a test? (laughs) No pressure. Um, Well, the low-hanging fruit with innovation is technology, but I think it's a really good one, too. So technology is the way of the future. Um, AI is becoming a reality. It's becoming integrated into almost every industry. Um, And so kind of planning your space to embrace technology is really important. It isn't going away. And in order to become a forward-thinking company, you have to be prepared for that. So Fitting at a, at, the, at a minimum, I think fitting out your space with ample um, video conferencing technology or whatever else you need that, that works for you today, as well as keeping an eye on what's ahead in the future for technology. I love that preparedness leads to innovation. Planning ahead or preparedness as innovation. I actually kind of yeah. like that a little bit better. <laughs> You're validating his type A personality. Right. <laughs> My brain just spun out there. Yeah, right I'm <laughs> Um, okay. And then just one more, because this is super fun. So, uh, what about customer experience? Ah, that's a good one. Customer experience. So for me, the perfect, like magic making scenario is when interior design gets to partner with experiential design. So for anybody who doesn't know, um, M&A has an experiential design arm, uh, which really is storytelling, um, and branding and bringing in kind of that, that engagement into a space. So when those two pieces get to work together, it, I think magic happens there. So being able to take just, um, walking through a space and turning it into something more meaningful and creating lasting experiences and memories for people, um, making your space a destination, I think is, is something that's really important. Well, and I think part of that goes into kind of what we're talking about with what Cohatch does is it supports the human behaviors, the human needs, right? You know, that's what really leads to a good experience. I'm actually really interested. This is a random question, but so if not co-working, I'm still hung up on this. What? What do you, what do you consider yourself? I, I never, I, I don't really put a whole lot of words on it because I let people, people find us for different reasons, right? Yeah. So, I mean, we just call it Cohatch at this point. I mean... I know it's hard to explain, but if you were like out to beers with friends and they were like, so wait, what is, what do you do? Like what's cohatch? It depends. Like it depends on who I'm talking to and okay. why. Right. So if I'm talking to, uh, my mom, what is cohatch? It's a different answer than someone who's a technology incubator. Right. Cause we could be, a, we could be the whole beauty of it is we could be a lot of different things. So to me, it starts with, uh, you know, a lot of times I go with a coworking answer, but we, we build spaces in the heart of your town and we restore them to revitalize that area to make town hall 2.0 a two kind of a place where you can exist and work and live but um i also i tell i usually jump really quickly to things like well i I was when i'm 60 i wanted a beach house i bet you you want to probably own some sort of vacation home someday i don't want to wait until i'm 65 to do that so therefore i bought one and i share it with everybody right so i almost look at it as a a network of human sharing, right? So there's nothing that's not in scope for us. So we have a beach house in Florida our members could use. We're doing a beach, up in Beachwood, we're building a ghost kitchen for uh, chefs to use and for us to launch concepts. We have bars, we have restaurants, we have uh, someday I want to buy a golf course, let our members use it. I have a rock climbing wall back here. But it's one membership that you can live all parts of your life. It just happens to be I work during these things. But I'm going to allow you to integrate work with 
thousands of people. And we have a, we have members who are retired who just use us for app on nights and weekends for like their nonprofit board meeting. And we have 18 year we, we launched Ohio State with a technology lab this uh, in May. And that's for like we'll have anywhere from 18 to you know 100 year old people inside of that as well. So so cool. It's a it's a membership driven community that can help you get get access to everything you've ever wanted but sharing it is kind of the way i look at it well and it it reminds me of so one of our forecasts that we talked about if you remember on our um, predictions for 2021 we're talking about uh, the work future of the workplace is really these community connectors spaces where they're connecting to the community and bridging the kind of like breaking that that fourth wall where it's bridging into the community and the community is coming into this space to use it However, it makes sense for them. It's a flexible space. It allows for them to maybe have like an art gallery one day. And then the next day it allows them to, you know, we, have we a retail wanna, space. We want to have a space for you to, no matter what you do, you could be a woodworker, an accountant, an artist, a doctor, like all those things are in scope, different things. So we could build spaces for you to do your craft. But what everyone has is the same thing in common. Like after that philanthropy, vacation, yeah. stuff like that, that's what makes you common, but we'll build physical things. But um, we're going to, we, we launched in a couple of months, something called marketplace, which is our technology platform that no one knows about except this thousands of people. Listening to it. <laughs> um, but, heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, we, we are, we view ourselves the, who thrived during COVID Amazon, Walmart, target, all they did was suck out every possible piece of business from local user, local yeah. restaurants, yeah. local everything. Right. We want to we want to actually foster the local community. But when you say support local, what's your mind go to? You jump to like let's buy a gift card at the restaurant. Let's buy something from the trinket store. What about the local freelancer? What about the local accountant? What about the local all that right? So by we our digital marketplace will be a place where you could actually search for any food, buy products, and pick up locally handmade products that you see the purse made down your street and know the person you're buying it from. Etsy doesn't do that. I have no idea where that stuff's coming from anymore. Uh, business services. I could buy, I could go on there and say, Gra- I need a graphic artist. They live here. Instead of buying it in somewhere in Russia, yeah. I can hire a local freelancer to do my logos and meet them at a cohatch. I have nonprofits. Every volunteer opportunity in Columbus will be there. Every startup will be there to fund it. To all the, You have no idea how many times I've been asked, where are all the startups? I could put 25 grand and 50 grand in. They just don't know where they are. Right. Make them visible. All that stuff could be in one platform. So you'll be that central hub. And that's the, that's the goal is to try to have used technology to be a glue. People forget technology is nothing more than a tool. Absolutely. The community is the people. So use technology to be the tool that engages people. But you, I believe in grounding them into physical community. That's why I think the physical space will never go away because we are designed to be social creatures. Artificial intelligence, I think, scared a lot of people when they thought robots were going to take over the world. But augmented intelligence is exactly what you're saying, where it technology amplifies the human input. So it's not that technology is running the conversations. It's just helping, to your point, serve as that glue or that amplification of whatever the human input is. So I think that's so interesting and so cool. Also, though, that whole Etsy example that you gave, we've been talking a lot about trust and how to really know where something is coming from, and who is that source of credibility to authenticate whether, yes, this actually is the woman down the road from you making this purse or this graphic designer that lives in the neighborhood next to you. So you guys will serve as that authentic, as that source of credibility, essentially. Yeah, it's a visible, it's very visible. It's very easy to see that I think the people that will undercut 
the only way to undercut undercut the global platforms like Uber Eats or Grubhub yeah. or all those is hyperlocality. So uh, you're going to see a major tide shift between people are already getting pissed at Grubhub and Uber Eats. Yes. Right. So why? Because all they're doing is siphoning money off a little guy when a time when a little guy's getting their ass kicked. So, 30% I didn't realize. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's, and then there's starting to be city ordinance about only 15 yes, and all kinds yeah. of other stuff, but you'll see, like, we want to be the local, all local, uh, support from restaurants and delivery. Like we're going to launch all those different things. Oh, that excites me so much. I had a really weird experience with Etsy. It's so funny. Everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. Like my own personal experiences, you know, your examples are so on point because I had ordered from a girl from the United States trying to support her local business and I got the strangest package from India and I had to pay like $170 to even accept it from the customs fee and I'm like no I didn't order anything from India lo and behold she was outsourcing all of her stuff but claiming to be from Nashville or wherever I bought it from so I'm like man there's nothing you can't even trust Etsy anymore you know so how cool you now have that stake in the game from a hyper hyper local perspective to say we know these people, you know, they're part of our Cohatch community and that's so cool. I'm so excited and I'm so glad you gave us the hot scoop here. Thanks. Well, I mean, for, <laughs> for all of our listeners who've probably heard us use the word like localvist and localvism, this is the true definition of yes. it, where you're setting down roots in the community and bringing the community up on what they need at that point. Yeah. Let me get, get, give you one example, right? How well do you think you'll, you'll do, you, will you feel like you know me at the end of this conversation? I think to an extent, probably, okay. right? If I brought my three kids here and introduced you to my wife and we hung out for an hour and a half and had lunch, how well do you, do you think you would trust me more or less at the end of that? I would say more. Much more. Right. So it's a simple example of if I can meet the person who makes my product, I instantaneously become more trustworthy, I trust them more, and I'm more loyal, right? So that's part of the collision that we try to do. We don't try to have you just collide as individuals at work. I help you try to collide with your families, with other people, so that you break down walls and barriers, A, to think differently, to do business differently, and then to uh, foster the community around us differently. So it's it's way broader of thinking than just work. And that's why when you always focus, people talk about work, I kind of, that's why I always cringe on it. So it's 20% or yeah. 30%, yeah. yeah. Well, so I'm curious, you know, before the pandemic, if you could give us maybe some perspective, what were some of the people coming to you for? And then what are they coming to you for now? Do you think like, what's the need that they maybe say, Hey, I, I really want to come to Cohatch and I'm looking for this. Sure. I mean, we started out like intentionally name the top four co-working companies. Everyone's going to go like we work and now Regis is popping back up and like, where are they at? They're always downtowns or 30,000 square feet spaces, blah, 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 blah. Right. So we wanted to be in a bunch of neighborhoods of different locations that are all connected. So by, when we started, we were very simply, we were the one to five person company, but we also had a lot of people that were retired or church groups or nonprofits or whatever inside of our community. As COVID went on and the world accelerated kind of the work from home thing and all these other things, we're getting a lot more people. Like I knew we kind of blossom into this where if you're a big company and you want to give your employees an option or a credit to work from somewhere, if I gave you the option, oh, drive downtown, right? you're going to be like, hell no. right? So, and then if you want to buy one membership to use all, we have 50 plus meeting rooms, you have all these locations, you could use, I have employees that live in Powell, I have some that live in New Albany, I have some that live downtown. You can use all of our spaces to build this network. So we're seeing a lot more, 
we I've probably given tours a bunch of times. Everyone's doing a study, right? Everyone's doing a study. <laughs> so the future of work for a company study. And now this last <laughs> this last month, I mean, I tell them what their study's going to end up. They don't believe me, but I'm going to tell you what your answer is. Tell us too. Yeah, it's it, there's only one answer. It's very simple. It's it's impossible to have a different answer. So you can challenge me on it. Um, there is no way you're not some sort of hybrid. There's it's it's impossible. So even as soon as you have, uh, and it's going to be dictated by a couple things. Give me the top ten percent of your most valued employees, and tell them that they tell them that they can't work from how they want to work in about two years. They're going to flip you off. They're going to go take a job in, uh, virtually in San Francisco, and they're going to do their own thing. So your employers are going to have to cater to their employees' needs of what they want to do. It's a fact. They will have to do it. Um, they will do it so much that they will almost like go overboard with letting them do it. And then they're going to say, well, I can't do that. Like, I'm an accountant. I'm an introvert. Like, okay, well, I'm going to build you a space where you come and do transactions every day, right? You have to be in that. I'm an engineer, right? I need to touch products. I need to innovate. I need to do things. Well, there's a physical space for that. I'm a salesperson. Go ahead and say stay at home all day. Like, there's no clients there, no one in your living room. And you could hit the LinkedIn button all you want, but yeah. I'm extrovert and I need to communicate and yep. I need to get out and do my thing, right? So there is only one example. It's going to be a hybrid. Just it depends on which shift on the spectrum you are. And I do think that humans have the shortest, the best short-term memory loss of anybody. So uh, it's, it's a weird example, but I'm telling you right now, if there was no such thing as short-term memory loss, everyone would only have one kid. So, <laughs> so the... Uh, <laughs> there's no the pain that you go through in the middle of the night you're like why would I ever do this to myself then about then about six about a year later you're like that wasn't so bad <laughs> you know it's uh that's where I think there's gonna be a whole bunch of short-term memory loss once the vaccines roll out and you yep. get people back then it'll be overpowered by oh crap I got fixed costs I got employees that want something different and then then you'll start going hybrid well and that leads to you know some of the things that we talk about with like our clients when they come to us and say okay what do I do like where do I start the first thing you need to do is understand your employees because there's two parts of your employee one part is what they do for the company and the other part is what they need in order to be productive and to be like their best selves so like when we look at their personas we say okay they may be part of the hybrid that you know works 70% at home and 20% in the office and then we look at their persona in terms of like what's their individualistic needs what does their safety look like what does their security look like what is their human behaviors that are go into that like are they an introvert are they an extrovert like it's all part and parcel in order for uh, I think employees to be felt heard these days this is going to be the norm going forward absolutely it's so funny as Matt was talking it's like a room of bobbleheads everyone's heads are just like bouncing up and down like yes 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 I totally totally agree and recognizing those humans but I loved your point about if you want to be competitive because right now it's no longer saturated markets are only in metro hubs you can work for a San Francisco company from your home in Columbus Ohio you know so that really opens up this liquid territories and there's no more geographical borders that are limiting you to say you can only work within 10 miles of 43214 if you don't want to have an hour-long commute you know so how are you going to stay competitive how are you going to stay relative how are you not going to lose that top tier talent you know because no nobody cares more about retention than CEOs or presidents of companies so Caitlin I'm curious from your perspective with design what how would you recommend people shift their spaces that maybe they are tied to right now well, I think what I really took away from what Matt was saying is the hybrid model is the right model to kind of protect you from anything that happens in the future. It ensures success, right? I don't think that the workplace will ever become 100% remote because 
it is so important for companies to have a cultural hub, to have a physical space that reflects who they are, what their values are, building that community that we were talking about. And even the best of technology cannot replace the power of human connection. So I think, you know, being prepared to be flexible, having the empowerment to kind of choose how you want to work, but remembering that you're part of a community that you work for. And so, um, you know, having access to that central hub, whatever that looks like for the company that you work for, is probably going to be the way of the future. So, Caitlin, maybe you could give us a little bit of insights, and maybe it's a little bit different these days, but when you were working with White Castle, you had to help them build a whole new culture, a whole new community. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you started to work through that and then where you ended up at the end with the project? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the first thing that we did was get to know who they were on a micro level. I mean, we we just immersed ourselves in their company culture to try to really understand what their challenges were. Every company is so different and so unique, and it's extremely important that you know from an individualistic perspective who it is that you're designing for. So that was the first thing we did um, from a pre-design standpoint. And then we started understanding the physical barriers that they were experiencing. So for example, 88% of their employees were in private offices. They had very little natural daylight in their offices, low ceilings, poor air quality, the list kind of goes on, but they loved the space that they had, the land, the site. And so those were kind of the, the driving factors for them to go in the direction they did. Stay on the site, tear down the old building and start fresh. And so with that came the opportunity to build um, the next chapter of their company. So they kind of wanted to move towards this culture that they outwardly felt their brand had, but that they felt they were lacking internally. There was just a misalignment there. So, you know, we, we looked at all of that and we built flexibility for them. They made the decision from a leadership perspective to go no private offices. So they went 88% private offices to 0%, not even the CEO. Talk about a culture change. Yeah. Huge culture change, but they had the great, the right attitude and the transparency to onboard this concept to all their employees. And, um, you know, it was a long process, but everybody really bought into it and, and was willing to move towards the way of the future. And they were in that building 80 plus years. Yeah. 84, I think. That's so crazy. Mm -hmm. So Caitlin, you talked about, you know, finding out the culture of the company and what was right in values for them. And I I actually want to talk uh, to Matt just about Cohatch and their values. You talked about it a little bit at the front end. What are like your values and how does that tie into like the social enterprises that you uh, support as a company? Yeah, I think um, what makes us, a lot of people resonate with Cohatch is that (laughs) obviously we're trying to strengthen communities and improve people's lives. But one of the things we really mean by that is like it's very hard to fake caring about people, right? You can't do it. You either authentically care about people or you don't. People, if you try to fake it, I could see it really quickly. So we want to help people thrive in all parts of their lives. So we hire the right people that are service-minded, who uh, want to take care of people, who value uh, making other people's lives better, right? And by demonstrating that through all of our initiatives, we can create this culture. And that's probably the most proud thing I am, I have that we've created is that I sat down maybe, a, and probably as pre-COVID, and we, we, we probably were doing 30 or 40 different workshops or events or nonprofit. We bought a 1962 Airstream that's our mobile community center. We call it Moby. <laughs> so all of our nonprofits would be able to use that thing. And all of a sudden, I saw our employees, like, they said, well, Saturday, I'm having a blood drive. I go, well, I didn't ask you to do that, right? And then there's like, can I, can I get some help from some employees? And 
they had 10 people show up. I'm like, well, I didn't ask you to do that either. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, we have, I, I want to give this nonprofit a scholarship. I really care about it. Great. And then all of a sudden they're volunteering and working with them on that. I'm like, I didn't ask you to do that either. Right. So by giving, letting people, letting our employees realize that they have way more tools and resources to kind of bless the community with. And once they get it, they could do so much more with it. And, and that's kind of the culture we're trying to create is that by always enabling people to impact, give them every resource they possibly can to impact communities and people, then we'll just obviously have the culture that we need every single day. I mean, we have, our visions recently changed. We've probably had 56 nonprofits on scholarship this year where the whole program started back by when the first evolution of Cohatch was our space wasn't utilized at night. Well, how do we utilize it? Well, let our members use it for free to do events. Well, just donate to charities. Giving charities 50 bucks was stupid. They didn't do anything. So, but then I found out the charities were in basements or industrial parkways with no access. So we started folding them in, which drove traffic, which drove a better ecosystem, which you sitting around a bunch of great people doing great things every day inspires you and gives you a different culture, right? So my future vision for um, our Give Scholarship is that every great nonprofit in Columbus has access to Coach for free. So our goal is to, over the next five years, have every nonprofit have access, which then will give, and then I'll see like through our marketplace, every need that they have, and then we can start to orchestrate and help to serve the community differently. And then empower, imagine all, every person that is a member of Cohatch having visibility to every need in Columbus and they see it every day. Do you think you're more likely to get involved or less likely? So that's kind of how we can orchestrate. And that's why my title is community orchestrator. What I view is like, how do I orchestrate everything? Um, that's kind of my gifting. So that's, I mean, that's true. I'm just like mind blown right now because like that is the true transparent leader that everybody wants to have that empowers you to be able to support the things that are important to you and to your values. That's what we preach to our clients all day long. Absolutely. And it's so funny because we were going to ask you, how did you form a culture of community? And you literally formed a culture of community based around community, you know, internally focused on externally. And I think it's so cool how it's happened very naturally and authentically and how you recognize people as whole humans, not just for what they do, but for who they are. And that really is different. You know, it seems so simple and it seems like, duh, but so many companies segment you as this is who you are to us professionally, you know, and, and they forget. And we've been talking a lot too about how with Zoom calls, it's created this forced vulnerability on people where to your point, if you see someone's little kid run through or their, you know, cat is on their lap during a meeting, all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, Carla is a human too, you know, instead of just <laughs> seeing her as the finance lead, you know, now all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, like it just expands your mind and kind of tears down those walls that we've more traditionally and maybe more driven by corporate America have been forced to put up where it's like, this is who I am professionally when I wear my three-piece suit. And now it's like, I'm going to show up as who I am. And I love that you're saying work is 20%, you would hope, right? And that you are so many of these other things too, and that Cohatch is the place to be all of those things. And maybe even having, you know, a kid running around on the rock climbing wall while mom is getting work done, you know, as a mom to be, that is so inspiring to me to think that I would be accepted wherever I am in my journey at all times here. So it's just such an inclusive place. And we are talking a lot about diversity and inclusion and acceptance and how that is the way of the future. And that is what progressive brands are going to value. And again, with no business model, you guys were ahead of it. Yeah. So my, my favorite story that I just have to share is that like the power of Cohatch to me is I have an employee, African-American employee, all this racial unrest and social injustice going on. And literally you could see in his face the turmoil, the, the kind of the, the torment and kind of the angst and like, 
And I, I sat down and talked to him. We shut down the company. We had a conversation about it. And he's like, my biggest problem is I don't feel like I could do anything, right? I can't make a difference. And I go, that's your problem. Like, you use the word I can't make a difference, right? So I said, well, what if I gave you every resource that Coach has and every physical spot and every charity? And his eye just lit up. And he goes, really? I go, well, yeah, that's what we do, right? So if you could open people's minds to have, like, we can make a difference with the resources and companies that can do these things. And that's where I hope people make a change. Like individuals, it's really hard to see the big picture. But if I gave you all White Castle's resources or Coach's resources, yeah. now I can make a difference in doing it. So that's what we're trying to create is just for, it might be an employee or you individually coming here and be like, well, I got all those resources. Sweet. Go do something great. It kind of takes the excuses away from people too, which I love. Now bitch about it. Like, <laughs> like now bitch about you can't do anything. Well, well I just gave you access to everything. Mm-hmm. Now that's on you. So but How powerful. That is so cool. And I think, you know, it's a congregation, really. Life is too hard to go it alone. And how cool to think that when you are part of Kohat, you are part of a community of support. And it's no longer I, it's now we. And that's such a huge mental transition, I think. And you feel just so much more support already. And to know that you have that much support, I think makes people feel like they have more leverage to try things that might have otherwise scared them or do things that they didn't think were possible. So I'm just, I'm so inspired. This is so awesome. Well, and I think that is a good lead in for our last question, which is always my favorite the question. The last question already? I know. Time flies. So I'm going to ask this to both Caitlin and to Matt. Um, you know, so as a certified futurist, I'm always thinking about like, what are the things that I are I love that today? title, by the way. Certified. It's awesome. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> We, we'll, we'll, talk, we'll talk more on okay. it online. An orchestrator and a futurist. Right? Wow. Look out, Walk people. into a conference room. We should, <laughs> we should go. That starts, hmm. We like should bring something to the table. <laughs> but so I guess, you know, guys, what are the signals? You know, what are the little things that are happening today? Or the big macro forces, the drivers that are going to affect us even 10 years from now? So I'll open it up to see if anybody has a question or a response they want to jump in on? Well, I was like super inspired by what Matt just talked about because not only are you giving the resources to the people who come here, but you're seeing them on a personalized level. And I think if nothing else has come from the pandemic, it's that people are wanting to be in their comfort zone. They're wanting to be seen for who they are. That authenticity is super important. And so you know, the co-working model is a great tool for that. But as it relates to um, the permanent workplace, I think that's that's a, a note that a lot of employers need to take. They need to see their employees not just as a number, but as who they are as individuals and provide tools for them. You know, give amenities that people actually want to see, help them with work-life balance, give, you know, respite rooms, that concept that MA is working on. You know, just try to cater to who they are on a holistic level and not just that 20% that they're giving to you as an employer. Well, and I think that uh, really ties into something that's uh, on my heart too. Like when we talk to our, our leadership team and to other groups, we really need people to bump up their emotional intelligence too, to be understanding of where people are that day. Like they may have come, come in that day and they were up with a baby the night before and they were working till midnight to try to get the deadline done. And it doesn't help anybody if you're just expecting them to be at the same place you are too. Well, How's that work on a computer? Well, and that's where I think virtual technology is going to have to help us because I think, you know, the, to your point, we're going to need some in real person time, but virtual is still going to have to be a thing until the pandemic goes away. 
well, hybrid period, the end, I think, you know, and I think it's important to be curious, always not critical because you don't know what someone's coming at today, you know, and not every day. I think it's crazy when people say hundred percent, let alone when they say, give it 110%. I'm like, that's literally not possible. But if you show up some days with 70%, bravo to you, you know, if that's all you had to give and we just don't know where people are. And so I do think spaces like Cohatch, literally and figuratively spaces like Cohatch, let people show up however they are, wherever they are. All right, Matt. What is your thoughts on the future? Uh, well, my I think the future is going to see uh, a sig. I'm hoping that I think brands and companies have more power socially than they know, and I'm hoping that like Coach, by example, is a small little company, and we've been able to work with Ohio State and Apple through this project, and we're going to create some. We're intentionally trying to create some leadership, some training and free workshops for minorities and underprivileged and technology and truly make a difference. I'm hoping that uh, companies can further align their uh, social mission for their employees to actually make a grip for the greater good. And we, I want to get ahead of it. Like we'll be launching, we'll be announcing new corporate suites that we're creating for people to fix a lot of these issues that you're having. Like they want confidentiality, they want a hub. So we're going to help them create a hybrid inside of us. But we, I think the future is, I don't have time for government, to be honest with you. So I don't have the patience for it. I don't have anything about it. That's why I think uh, a, a, social, um, a social transformation of kind of the marketplace in general, I think, will be how real change gets done. And I think there'll be really good street cred and brand value for the companies who could actually do it. And I think that's the future. And you know, there's technology that will help it there. But I think that the, as 20 year olds become 30 year olds and 30 year olds become CEOs and 40 year olds become, you know, hopefully I'm you know, older and fit, keep working at 50, et cetera. But uh, I think those people will start making companies social engines and that what they're going to realize is not them, it's their employees that do it. I love that. The social engine that drives values or that helps you to align with others' values. Well, thank you guys for both being on our show today. Uh, I'm floored and thrilled by all of the things that we got to talk about today. And so thank you for sharing your innovative insights. These are the innovations that we hope can help our listeners find inspiration in their own lives and be thinking ahead about how they can create change. We hope to hear more about them in the days and weeks and months to come. If you'd like to learn more about us, visit our website at ma-architects.com, where we have an entire COVID toolbox up and running. We also have the future is now up and running too. Uh, if you want to continue the conversation, feel free to reach out to me directly at markb at ma-architects.com. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to subscribe, leave us a review, tell us what you want to hear about so that we can make sure that we bring you those innovations that's coming down the pike in the next three to five years. Once again, I'm one of your hosts for Make It Innovative, Mark Bryan. And I am Sam Moeller. I'm hoping that Matt is going to write a book, but in the interim, I'm going to listen to this podcast on repeat because there are so many morsels of inspiration. You're just a really cool leader. And I you're don't write or read. <laughs> We'll work on it, okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'll ghostwrite for him. But anyway, in the meantime, listen to this podcast, you guys. You really are a really inspiring leader. And Caitlin, you've got all the the inspiration and ideas for interior design that people need to change the spaces that they have for now. And I'm going to try and bribe Mark Daniels, the president of MA, to get me that $200 membership to Cohatch. So if you can't find me, you know where I'll be. Anyways, I hope you guys can find the change you want to be to allow innovation to thrive in the way you live. Thank you so much, Matt and Caitlin. Thank Thank you. you.